The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome in, welcome in to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen. I am back. I took a week off last week, and uh, I, you know, I think I earned it. I rarely take time off of this show, so uh, sorry um, if there was a lack of heads up. That was on me, uh, but I just decided I needed I needed a blow. I needed a breather. I'm joined my co-host this week, the uh, the Enigma, the Beard, <laughs> the Enigma, the editor of ArrowheadAttic.com. Matt Connor, my friend, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm good. You you nailed it right. I'm I'm so mysterious. You're, man, yeah, you're a man, a of, man mystery. of chief's mystery. Yeah, <laughs> you you've been um you've been like you know sailing around the globe. Nobody yeah. knows where you're at. It's like where is where is Carmen San Diego? That is me. That is me. Yeah. I, yeah. Put me on a put me on a, a cruise ship and and send me wherever. Yeah, man. I, good I to think... be here with you. We're the rare pairing. Yeah, it's been a minute since uh since we've done the show together but it's always fun you're you're a great person to host with and i try to drop in during your show sometimes to leave the occasional creed reference you know get some puns in there because i know how much you enjoy that and i always appreciate when you call call it out if you happen to see it in the chat i like to try to to drop those in it's like easter eggs i yeah Yeah. it works out great and and uh yeah yeah of course sterling's always good for a pun and oh yeah. yeah you know but then he rolls his eyes at you when you make them sometimes. Oh, you know, look, look, you know, you know, he, you know, he, his game won't recognize game. That's all that is. Yeah. You know, I was on the radio with him uh, earlier this week and the, uh, I don't know if you saw him. Uh, I can't remember if it was during your show or the show or the Wednesday show, but he was wearing like a flowery shirt. Oh yeah. It was our and, show. Yeah. It was your show and his mustache is back. And I, it just hit me like a ton of bricks who he looked like. And I taught, I told him this live on the radio earlier this week. Can you take a guess? It's a, it's a character from a movie. Oh yeah. No, I mean, nothing's coming to mind immediately. Who? It's goose from Top Gun. <laughs> like the scene where he's playing the piano yeah, and he's totally. got like the Hawaiian shirt on. He looks exactly <laughs> totally. like him. It's incredible. Oh man, um, that's amazing. It really that's amazing. like, how do we, how do we make that his new name? He's, he's goose. He is he's goose. goose. He's goose. And we, uh, we need to, Get some somebody with some Photoshop skills to like put his head on Goose's body. Yeah, in an yeah. image. Uh, is, I, I know Richard. Richard sh- will have it by the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> Even if he wasn't equipped with the mustache and the shirt, he would still be like he is Goose in real life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He totally is. Just now, his drummer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just works so well. You know, he's the ideal. 
he's the ideal uh, wingman. Yeah, he would have been much better, I think, in that in that sequel than than Miles Teller playing Goose's son. He'd have been perfect. <laughs> um, guys, we have got an awesome show lined up for you today. I'm super excited as, as we start to talk about. Obviously, the Chiefs offseason is still going on, but we've got the draft coming up in Kansas City very soon. My flight is booked. I will be in, um, getting in on Thursday morning. going to check out that new airport, and I'm going to stay uh, stay until Saturday. So um, excited. Hopefully, we can uh, meet up with some of you guys and just uh, have a good time. Um, and, it, oh, God, I'm just going to eat so much barbecue. It's going to be ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but coming up on the Arrowhead Attic podcast today, uh, we've got from The Athletic, our pal, Seth Kaiser, uh, he's been on the show before. I think he was on with you. Have did you have him on on your show? Has I, he been on? With I you? feel like we have over time. Yeah, uh, you know, I know like he was all been doing this together for so long that that yeah. it's hard to remember when and where we've we've connected, but we have. It it all it all blends together. I've I I have never been on the show with Seth, so I'm so so I'm really excited to to pick his brain. Does such great work. If you're not familiar. Uh, over at the athletic he's got a, a, a sub stack i'll mention all that in a little bit and then uh at the half hour mark our our buddy arrowhead attic contributor lyle graverson is coming on lyle was on um last march i believe or last april talking draft with us and he really knows this stuff so he's going to be a great guest we're going to get into it all um but before we do i have to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by the kansas city beer company and we have breaking news if you are not aware uh, we got to get this out to you right away. Our sponsors, Casey Beer Co., they once said that they would never release an IPA, but they just brewed one so good, they broke their own rules. It's called Never Say IPA, and it is the newest beer and the first IPA to hit the KC Beer lineup. This beer is a celebration of German and American traditions using both German and American hops as well as German malt and yeast. Their beer is so refreshing and aromatic. You have to try it. I have some. I'm going to drink some probably after the show. I'm hoarding it a little bit, but it is. I was. it knocked my socks off. I, like They're a sponsor, but it's it's one of the best ones that they've made. So, you know, it's, it's just another great uh, a beer from this award-winning brewery. You know that they've got a great lineup of, of brews, so um, they've got a KC Beer style for you. Look for the red KC Beer Co. cartons in your local store and support the Arrowhead Attic podcast by supporting KC Beer Co. Do us a favor and give at KC Beer Co. a shout on Twitter. Let them know you heard about their beer on our podcast. Keep us in business and dare to beer different. Don't be a clown. 21 and over. I gotta get. I I should have grabbed one of those beers for this for the show. I just I was sitting here. I was you know I was doing some work and I I didn't get out to the kitchen. It was a big mistake. Yeah, what are you hoarding you. it for? What, what? Uh, to you know because because once it's gone, I guess I'm going to be in Kansas City. I'm flying yeah. Southwest, I think, so I can bring a bag just to bring beer back. Um, that's mm. that's generally what I do. So yeah, I'm I'm excited, man. Do us a favor out there, by the way. Shout out to all of our members who are here. Miss you guys. Missed you guys last week. You always show up. You always bring it. Let's do a let's do us a solid and hit that like button. We only got nine likes so far, so that's a little disappointing. Uh, let's hit that like button. Let's get some more Chiefs fans in here to talk about some of our draft crushes. Um, and and just, we're going to bring on Seth in just a minute. But right before we do, who was your first crush in like in like, like grade ever school? in my life? Yeah, like like what was like 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 my first crush. There was a girl in my class. Her name was Candy, mm, and she was like name. the pretty girl. Everybody had a crush on Candy. Um, yep. Yeah, Candace, Candy. Uh, that was my first crush. What about you? Yeah, man. Uh, kindergarten. I was five. Crystal Conrad. 
beautiful oh, blonde. Okay. Uh, we we're playing kickball. I was in the outfield on the playground. Somebody kicked the ball. It went over my head. She, while I was running after the ball, pushed me over and then kissed me on the cheek. My first kiss ever. My second one probably didn't come until I was 37. However, uh, yeah, I'll take it. Crystal Conrad. Crystal Conrad. I hope this gets to her wherever she is. Wherever uh, you are, and, Crystal. And I hope she's still out there pushing pushing boys and girls down and breaking their hearts. <laughs> That's always how they get you, right? They, stay, they they give you a little shove. Yeah. You know, they give you the business a little bit. That's sort of like the first kind of flirting. <laughs> yeah, they give you the you business. Know, they, they peg you in the face with a kickball. You know, all that. By the way, Sterling still uses that move. I've tried to tell him oh, not does he? to, but yeah. He just shoves shoves people down. He's interested yeah, in it. I, I mean, I hate I hate to talk about him while he's not here, but I love it. it there is this there is this kid in my class. You know how you used to pass the notes like the the hey, do you wanna, you know, do you wanna go out with me? Yes, no, maybe, like circle one. There was a kid in <laughs> there was a kid in my class who had this ingenious way of passing notes. He would fold, write the note and he would fold it up and he would put it inside a pen cap. So he could chuck a note to somebody like a, like the teacher turns around and he'd whip it at you and just like land on your desk. I always thought that was brilliant. I've never seen that in a movie or anything. No, that's a great delivery vehicle. I mean, you yeah, could really yeah. like all the way across the room pretty quickly. Yeah. And you don't have to involve like the snitches along the way yeah. to pass it, you know, like somebody's yeah. not going to do it and they don't want to get in trouble. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's talk some Chiefs. Uh, let's welcome in Seth Kaiser. Whoa, rocking the tie. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely putting us to shame here. Um, <laughs> you know, Seth is, he's the, like I said, he's the Chiefs analyst uh, for The Athletic, and he's also the author of the Chiefs in the North newsletter, which you should definitely be subscribed to. It's on Substack. Seth, thank you so much for joining us, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I, uh, I was listening to your guys' conversation as I was sitting in the waiting room about your first crushes, and I just want to let you guys know, I don't remember a single woman I met before my wife. And so I couldn't even tell you. Oh, I assume she's yeah. the first I assume she's the first woman I ever had feelings for. So yep. I just I, there's certainly. just this there's just this blank fog of all my life before I met that woman. <laughs> I think a that's called the lobotomy. Man. I think that's called the 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 pre the premarital lobotomy. <laughs> the post marriage the post marriage amnesia is what right, it, is what right. it really is. Thank you so much for joining us. I saw on Twitter today, man, you've got like a foot of snow up there yeah <laughs> oh sorry I, that was me losing the will to live right in front of you the sun's out now um yeah we got a it ended up only being about eight inches a couple days ago but we were only there was only like a foot and a half left on the ground and so we were getting there and yeah that's a that's what we in minnesota like to think of as our as our april parting gift every every winter in april at some point Hopefully at the beginning, but sometimes at the end, winter just dumps another foot of snow on us, which is super fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's it. it I'm going to be in Florida in three weeks. That's all I'm going to think about. Which, by <laughs> the way, Briscoe gave me the worst time about this. He's like, because I was, oh yeah, you know, I'm three weeks. You know, we're going to be there for a week. I'm going to be flying back Thursday night. He said Thursday night in three weeks. I said, yeah. It's like Seth, can you think of anything else going on that night? I was like, no. <laughs> And then it occurred to me, it was like, wait, there might be the draft that night, right? Yeah, maybe, so, just maybe. Yeah, so I have planned my vacation terribly. Fortunately, I'm flying Delta. I think they have Wi-Fi, so we'll figure it out. Yeah, you'll at least know the pick, even if the streaming doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then odds are, given my track record, it's going to be the one wide receiver or defensive lineman that I haven't reviewed. 
So, you know, either way, it'll be fine. You'll be, <laughs> you'll be reviewing, reviewing tape in the car on the way home. Uh, oh, 100%. So that, <laughs> that's, that's awesome, man. Uh, my wife and I also just booked it. We're going to, we're going to Cancun uh, in mid-May. The old, uh, the old Patrick's turning 40. So I thought Ooh. we'd do something, do something special, uh, go down there. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm probably going to get gout from just eating and drinking nonstop for an entire week. But uh, it's going to be, it's going to be worth it. But I, you know, I could talk about medieval sounding diseases all day. Let's talk <laughs> about the Chiefs. That's why yep. we brought Seth here, uh, among other things, his good looks, of course. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything from t-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets. And of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days, like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use Staple 20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. There's a ton going on with the Chiefs, obviously, Seth. I, I just at the top, I wanted to ask you about what the, the the new drama in the last you know 24 plus hours here with our old pal Tyree Kill talking yeah. his trash, talking, telling, telling, telling everybody what he's going to do when he comes back to Kansas City. Chris Jones sure. clapped back at him, uh, and then also somewhat surprising that he plans to retire in 2025 after he finishes his contract with the Dolphins. What are your thoughts on his comments? Thoughts on Chris Jones clapping back, and do you buy it? Is he gonna is he gonna hang up his cleats? Um, I would just say, I mean, you know, he, he's a guy who talks trash. He's confident he should be. He's arguably the best receiver in the NFL. Um, he might go for two hundred on the Chiefs. It's hard to say. I mean, they they're a terrific offense. They're well coached. You know, it's interesting. The first thing I thought of actually when you know he made those comments, and I thought, man, you know, Chiefs fans might be upset or whatever. I realized it's like, well, man, what if he does put up 200 and the Chiefs lose by 20? And that's when I realized I wouldn't care that much that we have officially reached the point, And maybe that's when you're on the verge of dynasty talk, or maybe you've already hit dynasty talk where honestly, there's not a regular season game result. That's going to matter that much to me now that they finally beat the Bengals. Cause that was getting annoying. That was, that was <laughs> legitimately like, no, it's not a rivalry. They keep beating the chiefs. What can you say? Um, by the way, just wanted to say really quick, something I was noticing here, shout out to Steve M for telling me I look 20 that just made my day. And, uh, honestly, I would disconnect right now if I didn't like you guys so much, cause it's all going to be downhill. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, think Hill, he likes to talk trash. I think him and Jones are just having fun together. You know, I like that Hill quote tweeted him saying, oh, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to block you. I'm going to do all this. You, you know, you're too small and all this stuff. I think he's just having fun. And personally, yeah. in terms of whether or not he's going to retire he seems like someone who wants to do things beyond the game the problem for him is going to be because he wants to finish that contract Miami if I'm recalling correctly the final year of that contract isn't that like a 50 million dollar hit the last year or something and, and, and they did that you know with intention because they run out the guaranteed point there is no way they keep him on that contract 
Um, and so he's going to be in kind of a goofy position to where they're going to try to extend him in that final year. And if he really wants to hang it up, I mean, he might end up getting released or something goofy and lose out on what is projected to be, you know, $50 million of his money. I'd be surprised if he did that because let's face it, no matter how hard our jobs are, no matter how annoying they can be, if you're still good at it and someone walked up to you and said, yeah, but what if I gave you a hundred million dollars to keep doing it for four more years? Most people are going to say, yes, yes, I'll do that. And so I'm guessing he doesn't actually hang it up. Um, But that's where I'm at. I mean, he's just saying stuff. I mean, that's kind of his entire shtick with the podcast is he just says stuff and that's fine. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's basically what I do. So <laughs> yeah. Right. He, he may figure he's going to be toast at that point. Like I've often wondered like with a guy like him, what do you think Seth? Like, is he the kind of guy that like we, I can see it, you know, your, your tight ends, they tend to, you know, they can, they can age gracefully a lot of right. times and continue to be productive. Is he a guy with his particular special skill set that like, and, and his size that could just like fall off a cliff at some point? You know, for him, the advantage he has is he's got so many steps to lose. You know, we always talk about guys losing a step at a certain point. Yeah. He's got he 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 could lose two steps and still be one of the fastest guys in the league. Mm. And what really set him apart from other fast guys, he that the ability to track the ball while mm. down the field at an elite level and body control, that stuff ages pretty well. And so I think he'd have to lose a couple steps before he would be he would be a non good receiver. You know what I mean? Like the the yeah. juxtaposition of that would be like Dwayne Bowe. He didn't have that step to lose when he lost one step. He went from being just fast enough to not fast enough. Um, so with Hill, I could see him aging fairly gracefully because he he worked so hard at learning to identify. You know open spots and zones and how to get that second play moving and and be a quarterback's best friend in terms of of finding open areas when the play breaks down. And so he really did refine himself a lot as a receiver. It just, it wouldn't be at that same level, of course, because it's that, that, you know, you can't even call it, you know, a sixth gear because it's more like a seventh or eighth gear. (laughs) No one else has it. It, it, It sets if he goes out in 2025, even if the production dwindles or is more balanced in Miami in some way, is he a hall of famer for you? Uh, yeah. Like how, how, how readily are you putting him in Canton? I mean, I think you're talking three more years at that level of production. Probably. Um, you know, he, he, we, with a hall of fame, you never know what they're going to take into account. There's a lot of receivers out there with really gaudy stats though. And so you almost need a, a differentiator in a lot of ways that, you know, eight to nine years of elite production might not be enough because there are so many guys out there with unbelievable production at that position. And so, you know, being a Super Bowl winner makes a difference. All pro pro bowls, those make a difference. And that's why the pro bowl matters, by the way, when people freak out everywhere every year, because people look at that when they're deciding hall of fame stuff, you know, that, that matters. um, Sadly. So I, I think he probably makes it just because of his uniqueness and the fact that one could argue that he was part and offense overall, and him in particular was a main part of this that altered the landscape of the NFL. And I mean, there's a reason why Vic Fangio's defense is like the the de jour, you know, thing of the moment. And it should be because the way that he lives in those shells, that's the way teams have to play now. And you can argue that started with Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, even more so than Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, who have been together a more dominant duo, but they don't, they haven't fractured 
the landscape of, of, of how elite quarterbacks and elite receivers are played, whereas Hill arguably did. So I think that that becomes a consideration as well. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I think if he stayed in Kansas City and had another ring, his case would be even better. Uh, mm-hmm. But that, you know, that's all right. It worked out all right for us. Matt, why don't you take the next two before we get into the draft talk? Because you have two sort of more current roster related questions. Well, yeah, hey, Seth, we wanted to get your take on some of the bigger acquisitions that have already happened here. Yeah. And when I'm thinking about Juwan Taylor, you know, of course, the first thing that's said about him is, uh, oh, yeah, you know, he's, we're going to ask him to make the switch to left tackle. And my first thought is, <clears throat> it's awful. It sounds awfully funny to me, or at least it's questionable to say, hey, we're going to throw enough money at a guy that he's going to be one of the top three to five cap hits in the next four years for the Chiefs. And yet we're asking him to switch positions before he even steps on the field. And it's not even like, oh, he hasn't played left tackle in a little while. Like he's played hardly any of it at all, even going all the way back into college years. I mean, that's a long rut of right-sidedness, if you'd say. Yep. And so I just wonder how much you're buying Jawan Taylor as the sure thing left tackle um, or or could the draft fall in a way where they're like, we're okay with paying one tackle and we don't really care which side he plays? I would be surprised when you look at Andy Reid's history, his biggest investments have generally been at left tackle. Now you saw maybe you could call it a shift with Mitch Schwartz, but that was once they'd already spent the first overall pick yeah. on Eric Fisher. And I mean, so if you look throughout his entire history, I mean, he is always – he had a left tackle when he first got the Philly. Then they got Peters. I mean, they, they've always invested. I mean, the first thing, hey, we're going to take a left tackle. I mean, that's the first thing he basically did when he came to town. Um, I would say it would surprise me if they invested that level at the right tackle position in terms of the money. Although the the money, it's it's not it's a it's good but not incredible in terms of the difference between real money and funny money in the contract. There's just enough there to where you could argue for it. I think the draft would have to fall a pretty unique way for them to do that. And his skill set is perfect for what you think of for a left tackle, way more so than Brown. Um, and honestly, maybe even more so than like Fisher before him. Mm-hmm. His 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 feet are really, really good. Um, his, he uses his length really well. He, he was an exceptional pass protector last year by my charting. So I, I think it makes sense. I would think they would talk to the player and just ask him. Everyone I've talked to, the, the answer that I seem to get, and I've seen the Schwartz brothers talk about this a little bit, is this is something you either can do or you can't. And for some guys, it's just no big deal. Playing all over the line, you can play wherever, and it's just kind of fine, other than center. You know, For other guys, the way Jeff Schwartz phrases it, it's like trying to you know, wipe your butt with your, with your off hand. And, <laughs> and, and, and again, that's something you can either do or you can't. Um, like, like example, like I can play ping pong, not that well, but I mean, I can play it left or right-handed either way. It doesn't matter. I, I'm not any better or any worse with either one. So what I'll do sometimes try to demoralize people is I'll switch hands rather than do a backhand because it looks cool. <laughs> um, never really works because I'm not that good, but I, I don't think they would have offered that money without some com- conversations with him. And I know he said that he's comfortable doing it. Yeah. And he actually did line up on the left side of, of Jacksonville's line at times last year when they would uh, switch to certain heavy formations, which at least says he's comfortable aligning that way and putting his stance that way. Now, whether that all plays out, we'll see. <laughs> I personally think if he's 90% the 
the pass protector on the left side that he was at the right side. He's a marked upgrade over Brown's pass protection last year. And I was a guy who defended Brown a lot. I'm not saying Brown was terrible, sure. but he was just very, very good. So where would that put Taylor for you? Like, like if he does reach that threshold, is that a top 12? Is that a top 10? Is that a top 15? Oh, I mean, if he, if he reaches, let's say he's the same on the left as he is on the right. Yeah. Or uh, even 90%, like you said. Oh, say about 90%. He's between, he's between probably five to 10 pass protectors in the league. I'd say. Okay. He was really, 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 really good in the games I watched. And the games I watched, I particularly went out to watch him against Lawrence and Parsons, against Crosby, against Joey Bosa. Like, I went out of my way. Like, he made Joey Bosa lose his mind in that playoff game. Mm. And he's false starting. Well, they're not calling it, are they? So I guess <laughs> it's not a false start. That's what Mitch Schwartz said about it. Um, he was really good against elite competition. The only guy who got him um, – a, a little more often was Riddick and they trusted him on an Island against these guys really consistently. Riddick got him a few times with some power moves, but overall, I mean, he was terrific. And so I think as a pure pass protector, I think he would still 90% of what he was last year. I still think he's, he's in that top 10 of guys on the left side. Boy, that's good news for the chiefs for sure. Mm. Well, if I'm right, well, yeah. <laughs> we're trusting that you you have a tie on. You're so always trusting right. You're that right. You are. Oh, yeah. yeah, that is true. Right, right. Uh, hey, let's switch sides here because obviously the other sort of free agent pillar signing was Charles O'Minahue. and and I just wonder for you what you like. You know, he was he's been a situational rusher in the past. You know, for the Niners who have more bodies maybe than than the Chiefs have have, especially losing Clark and and whatnot. Do you see him sort of settling opposite Karloftis there and growing into a greater role? Um, or do you think he's going to kind of remain, um, you know, more of a rotational body? One thing that's worth noting with the Niners, and, and you, you kind of hit on this a little bit, is that they 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 rotated more guys yeah. just as general part of the plan. And they've done that for several years now. They also – play with their hair absolutely on fire. <laughs> there is not a single down where the 49ers defensive line job is not attack. Go straight forward. And that's a reason why Andy Reid was able to put Nick Bosa in a straight jacket when they played because he took advantage of the way they play and just jet sweep and screen them to death. Um, that said, it gives you a lot of snaps to look at him as a pass rusher and then as a, as a, as a gap shooter, as a run defender. And so because of that, in part because they just play so psychotically, just 110% constantly, I think you need to rotate guys out more. And you see that reflected in their snap count numbers besides Nick Bosa. And even he rotates out more than you would expect a guy as good as him just because of the way they play. He still played a fair number of snaps. I, I, I don't know if he'll be the full-time defensive end. I know he's got the skill set based on his film last year to do it. He's got exceptional length, really strong guy has enough athleticism to play end the way that Spags likes them to do it in terms of run defense. Um, what's going to be interesting to me is that he's a better pass rusher from the interior. And that puts him right there with Mike Dana, who's in the same boat. And so they're going to have some interesting choices to make. I, I think that he's got the goods to be a full-time guy, but I'm curious what it looks like in terms of that full-time guy rushing from the edge. Because again, um, he's better at it than Dana is, but he's also a much better interior rusher than Dana is. And by the way, Mike Dana's biggest fan here. Like I, I think he's he's a good player, but 
that, that's going to be interesting. They need, I think, a more pure edge guy, at least one more, because they're trying to replace the snaps of Dunlap, Clark, and Saunders. Yeah. And one guy like a many who just can't do that. So they may have to look to the draft, which brings us to, to, to the draft season. Um, we're, we're just a few weeks away. What positions do you think the Chiefs should target? Is, is defensive end one of them? And uh, who are some of your draft crushes? Um, I 100% think defensive end is one of uh, – if, if I had my druthers, the three positions I would have them look at the most closely. And it's always how the draft falls, you know. But if if they were to grab a, a, a relatively high-end wide receiver, defensive end, um, I'd be thrilled with either one of those positions most importantly because I think those are where the biggest holes are on their roster, the defensive line, the wide receiver position. Um who knows? Maybe Tony and Moore take a big step forward, stay healthy. They've got the talent to do it, but man, that's a big bet. That is a that is quite the bet. Um, but it, on the defensive line, they just need more bodies. And it would be really great to see the pass rush take a step forward from last year. You know, they were inconsistent for most of the season. It got stronger as the year went along, and and it was a huge part of them winning the AFC Championship was they finally kind of cracked the code a little bit and getting some consistent pressure. Some of that was just Chris Jones being unblockable, but it was also the complementary pieces. And I want to see them continue to go forward because Spags is at his best when he can get pressure with four. Um, so I would go with one of those two. I love the tight end class so much, though, that I would love to see them grab a guy, not to replace Kelsey because you will never, ever, 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 ever do that, but because they've been so successful with their 12 and 13 personnel. So those are the three positions that I'd really look at. Yeah, and that was that was kind of one of my my other questions for you was a lot of analysts say that you know this is a pretty good tight end class for some intriguing prospects at the top. Who do you like? Is there somebody you like or, or, or and would you like to see the Chiefs go there early or is taking a a tight end at the end of the first round or in the second like is that too early when you still have Travis Kelsey? I I think that tight end is actually a place where you can um make some significant as a team and not pay as much for it. Um, a really good tight end can affect an opposing defense as much as a really good wide receiver. And you don't pay nearly as much, even for the top end contracts for one. The problem is it's a lot harder to find a really good tight end. And so you're taking a bit more of a risk, but I think um, I've looked at, uh, there was, I'm not going to remember his name, the tight end from Iowa. I really like his, his yards after catch ability. And then Dalton Kincaid is a guy who – no one can do what Kelsey does, so you throw that out automatically. But he's a guy who looks like he can be a genuinely good receiving tight end. And I really like the idea of the Chiefs really leaning into 13 personnel next year with the wide receiver room continuing to need to grow. And because – and if you had a guy like, say, a Kincaid, along with Kelsey and Noah Gray and Jody Fortson, you could do some things in terms of – forcing bad personnel mismatches against opposing defenses. And I would love to see Reed lean into that and start to send the NFL in yet another new direction. You know, (laughs) it's been fun watching a guy who's well into his sixties, be at the forefront of offensive innovation in the NFL. And it would be really great to see, okay, defenses are moving farther and farther out and getting lighter and lighter. We're going to run 13 personnel 50% of the time next year. That'd be so much fun to watch. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. I mean, you're right. You hit the nail on the head. One of the advantages the Chiefs have, other than the fact that Travis Kelsey is a Hall of Famer, is go back and look at his production the last few years and look at the production of Devontae Adams. Then go look at their 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 salary hit. 
Yep. Um, and it's it's a massive, massive advantage for the Chiefs. Last question for you for me. Um, so is there like a prospect in this draft that maybe Chiefs fans aren't talking about right now? Obviously, everybody has their crushes. Everybody has their favorites. Is there somebody out there that you think that Chiefs fans should start looking into or keep an eye on that maybe no one's talking about right now? I actually quote tweeted about him, and he's not like an unknown guy. He's probably going to be in the second round. Um, and because I don't get that deep into, I just don't, you know, I don't, I, I already watched way too much chiefs. I, I got, I need my wife to stay with me, but uh, uh, Jonathan Mingo as a receiver prospect, I've watched him a little already and I'm going to cover like the top, the consensus, you know, kind of top group first, but he's a guy that I've watched a couple games of. And I think that he was penalized in terms of production with quarterback play that was less than ideal was the way that I'll say that. Um, and that's one thing, man, when you, when you're always watching pro tape, especially Patrick Mahomes, and then you start watching college, you're just like, these guys can't throw like it. And, and, and they're, these college quarterbacks are better at playing quarterback than I am at literally anything, but it just looks so bad in comparison. But Mingo is a guy who, Really like his yards after the catch ability. Really like his strength at the catch point. And he is a a really good athlete um, for his size. And that's not like one of those like, oh, Jonathan Baldwin, good athletes for his size. Because Jonathan Baldwin can run really fast in a straight line. Because once he got to 20 yards, he accelerated really well. He's kind of twitchier than you'd expect. He's big, strong, can win in a variety of ways. I need to review a few more games just to see what I think. But he's a guy that the more I, I watch, the more I've liked him a little bit. And so we'll see if that keeps up when I look at him compared to some of these other receivers. And it would give us the chance to say to trash talk to other fans and say something like, the Mingo ate your baby. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was a mistake starting to take a drink as that was getting yep. wound up. Yep. Was, I was teeing <laughs> that one up. Um, <laughs> uh seth before i let you go um i gotta ask so this is uh as as a lot of people know particularly this thursday show and especially when when verteram was my co-host a serial podcast that sometimes talks about the chiefs we're big fans of breakfast cereal here do you have a go-to you're on a a desert island uh death row whatever you have a list okay no no i'm right there no people i need to call back but uh (laughs) So I'm on a desert island. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, just and you, you can bring one. You can have one box of cereal to have unlimited supply of for the rest of your days. What's it going to be? Do I have access to milk? Because that matters. Because different cereals are better dry than others. Yes. Yeah. Ha- absolutely. You've got a uh, you've got a whole fridge full of milk. There's power on the nice. island. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to think about, okay, well, what, what's happening on this Island? Um, but okay. I, I think I'm going to have to go. I mean, if it's one cereal for the rest of my life, I think I have to go with the sort of answer that many people would give, but you can't fiddle around when you're one cereal the rest of your life. So I yeah. think as I, as I continue to stall and just make sure I'm thinking of every possibility here, you can tell what I do in hearings when you're not sure necessarily where you want to go with the point and you just keep going. Anyway, I think I got to go with cinnamon toast crunch. I yes. mean, there's, it, it's a classic and too many people will say it to where it almost becomes, you know, it, you know, I wish I had a better answer, but for consistently awesome cereal, you're not going to do better than cinnamon toast crunch. I don't think. 
I agree. I mean, it's the goat. It's the goat of cereals. It's, it's the, the only choice. It's, it's, the Mahomes, right? it's, the, it's the Patrick Mahomes of cereals. And I got to say, yeah, that's right. You're also a lawyer. And uh, I, I'm not going to get into too much personal detail here, but I was in a hearing today, not as uh, a lawyer, um, and, and had a small victory. So I'm in a good mood. Um, yes, as I'm, I'm learning about the, the legal process, most unfortunately, but... Um, it was <laughs> no one's uh, ever happy to be calling a lawyer. No one's ever no, called no. me, whether but when I was a defense attorney, now when I'm a prosecutor, no one ever calls me to say, you know what, Seth, I just want you to know things are going real well. <laughs> like yeah. that's, yeah. that has yeah. never happened. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's just how yeah. it goes. No one calls a lawyer because things are going swimmingly. Love it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I should have called you for this whole thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank, we're going to let you get out of here. Thank you so much for joining us. It was, it was awesome to have you. Um, well, of course, you've got to, like I said, Seth's over at The Athletic. He's breaking down Chiefs film for them all the time. Great analysis. Has the Substack, the Chief in the North newsletter. Anything else, anywhere else people could check out your work? Um, no, those are the two main places. Um, if, if, if you feel like subscribing to the Substack, which Substack's grown so much that people now know what that is, as opposed to yeah. two years ago when I started it up. Um, but if you, if you do want to subscribe, we're, we're doing the Know Your Draft Crush series. We usually do a couple of articles a week. Got a lot of film there broken down um, for the season as well. I love the offseason because that gives me time. It's like, you know what I haven't done? I haven't charted every snap of Creed Humphrey yet. Probably <laughs> should do that in June. And yeah. so yeah. I love it. If you do want to subscribe, make sure to go to bit.ly slash Seth really hates money. Um, Cause Briscoe set up a bitly thing because it makes him so mad that I still have that coupon open. So make sure you use that to subscribe if you do. Love it. Absolutely. You'll become a smarter chiefs fan. If you follow <laughs> Seth's work, follow him on Twitter as well. His handle is right there. Seth, thank you so much for joining us, man. Have a great vacation and uh, hopefully we can talk to you again soon. Hey, thanks for having me guys. Yeah, of course. Take care, buddy. Seth Kaiser, great, great to have him on. It, this is the first time I've 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 gotten a chance to talk to Seth, like really oh. talk to him. Like we've we've go way back and uh, the Twitter and all that stuff. We've known each other for a long time, but it's uh, it's always fun when you get to meet your Chiefs friends. Yeah, from you know from the internets, which yeah. is where we spend a, a lot of our time. Um, it was a good good. Uh, I'm I, I'm on the Mingo train now because I really just want to. I want to make a lame. You dad just want jokes. to say that. Also, you just want to spell yep. it M I N G O. Yeah. 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 Uh, who, yeah. Knew, who knew we were going to get a John Baldwin reference? Love in it. This podcast. Love it. You know? Love it. it. By the way, I've been a subscriber to Seth's stuff for a long time. I, I really, you know, we often say like, make sure to check out so and so, but that even that, um, even the URL that he gave people to go to, I think makes it like two dollars to subscribe for the like, or like it's something bananas, like where he doesn't yeah. even really make money. Um, it's just smart and accessible writing. And that to me, that's just what makes it so valuable, you know? Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah. He, he's just a great dude. Yeah. There's so many great options. If you're a chiefs fan, so much good content. Um, so check it out. Uh, speaking of good, good stuff and supporting people addicts, if you want to get swagged out, we have got you covered. I'm rocking 
my Arrowhead Attic podcast sweatshirt right now. Uh, we have brought back the Arrowhead Attic merch store. It's now live. It's back in black. And I mean that quite literally. There are black Arrowhead Attic podcast options that actually look really good. I had never thought of that, but we have them. Uh, and you can visit it right now by clicking the link in the description below wherever you're getting this podcast. So if you're on YouTube, it's there. If you're on iTunes, you can find it. And we've got everything from shirts to hoodies to baby onesies and even a sweet pint glass for you to drink your KC beer from. Look at that, look, look at this high-tech stuff. You can scan that right now on your screen if you're watching on YouTube and, and go right there to the pint glass. <laughs> but hey, uh, you know, that's not all. We've got a super secret promo code for this week's listeners and this week's listeners only. Use the code SUNKCOST. That's SUNKCOST. If you listen to this podcast, you know. If you know, you know, as the kids say. Uh, it's all one word, S-U-N-K-C-O-S-T. You'll get 10% off your order today <laughs> and make sure to do it fast because it expires by Saturday. Uh, so rep the podcast and save a bit of money while you're at it. We truly appreciate you guys. Your Every dollar, and I mean this, we work for a big company, fan side. Every dollar you guys give us to support this podcast, we reinvest back into the podcast. Every single one. We're not taking a profit on this. This is important to us for a number of business reasons. It's not about making money for a big company. It's about trying to continue to expand this thing. That's why we were able to get, like when I joke that like, yeah, you're paying Sterling salary. I mean it. You are. Um, you're keeping Sterling on the show. It got Adam Best back. Other future things that we want to do. The live event that we did in Kansas City at Tanner's, which was so much fun getting to meet some of you. It, it means the world to us and you do as well. Okay. Lastly, real quick, before we get to Lyle Graverson, who, who we're late on, and I'm sorry, apologies to Lyle. I just got to let you know that you can also, if you're not going to give your money to us, give your money to FanDuel. And if you want to bet, <laughs> you can use the code Arrowhead and you'll get a $10 first deposit uh, required. It's a no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars. Ten dollar first first deposit required. New customers only. Twenty one plus. Present in Kansas. If you have a gambling problem, call one 4700 in Kansas. See the full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com or in the description below. Uh, you might win some money, and it does support the show because we get a fee when you sign up. Okay, let's get to our pal Lyle Graverson, long, long time Arrowhead addict contributor. Lyle's been writing for Arrowhead Addict since way back when I was the editor uh, there, and, and it continues to deliver great content every Monday. Lyle, how are you, sir? And how long, how many years have you been writing for Arrowhead Addict? Now? Man, I, I think this might be year 11. I would have to go back and double check it. I know it was like, we're talking Matt Castle era wow. chief. So I, it was, it was, you know, it was rough writing early on <laughs> in those early days. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think my first piece was something to the effect of, well, if they get enough talent around Matt Castle, I think maybe they can, they can be a contender. <laughs> I think, I think that's where it started. Um, and, and now you guys just can't get rid of me. I won't go away. So we're glad for us. We're, we're quite thankful oh, for that. Yeah. You're the, you're the low. Well, now Stacy's back. So that's true. But yes, you, you were the low, the lone holdout for my, my crew. My crew of writers, when I was running the site, you've obviously been uh, just doing fantastic work on the site for so, so long. It's great to have Stacy back. He was on the show this week. It's so much fun uh, getting to talk to you guys. Um, so, like, listen, man, uh, we're, uh, we're going to be talking draft, of course, and I know you're a big draft guy. But I had to ask you about the Chiefs offseason so far because we haven't caught up in a minute. Um, you know, how would you grade the Chiefs offseason so far and what are their biggest areas of need as we head into the NFL draft? 
I think if I was going to break that into kind of two parts, I would give them an A for all the moves they've made, but they've kind of got an incomplete overall because I don't feel like the roster's where it needs to be yet, if that makes sense. Like, there isn't a single move that I've been like, man, that's I don't like that. I don't like that guy, or I don't think that was a good price, or... I mean, you could make an argument maybe they had to overpay a little bit for Taylor, but I think every other signing they've made has been like really great money wise. And you can really see how those guys are going to, you know, contribute and fit into the plan. It just feels like there's still a lot. Like, I mean, I, some people feel good about Lucas Niang as starting right tackle. I'm maybe still a little nervous about that. Obviously, everybody still thinks we need wide receiver help. I don't think they have enough pass rushers on the edge. I don't think they have enough big guys in the middle of the defensive line. So there's several spots where they they need to keep adding guys. But Brett Veach seems to be like adamant that he's just not going to hurt the team long term with contracts he doesn't like. So he's going to be patient and he's going to look for the deals and and try and be smart about it. But it you know it's hard not to be impatient as a fan. You know when you you want all those things. And there's been some years where I felt like we went into the draft going, we could start the season now and only just draft best player available. I don't necessarily feel like we're there this year. I feel like there are some definite needs still. So love the guys they've added, thought they've been really smart with the contracts that they've added, but, but just feel like it's still a little bit of a work in progress. Yeah. I, I, I wondered, Lyle, I wonder what you think about this because what you're bringing up, I think I'd almost feel differently if some of the needs were at different areas and not like in the trenches. Right. Like you brought up, you brought up offensive tackle, defensive tackle, defensive line. If they were like, well, they're a little thinner than I want them to be at safety or, you know, running backs could be a little, which that's actually true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, but, but you're talking about like in the trenches, there are some thin places and I, I don't want to be overly concerned about defending Super Bowl champs and, and whatever, but yeah, I, I, I think it's the nature of those positions and the importance of them that make me wish, gosh, I wish you would do a little bit more shopping before we go drafting. Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, I was listening to your conversation with Seth and he mentioned, you know, some of the great tight ends in this class and that's true. But right now I'd actually be like, like if we spend our first pick on a tight end, like I don't know, I, I'd be like, okay, that's great, but aren't we, aren't we kind of loading up at one of our best spots right now when we still have holes? And I don't like going into the draft with that mindset. I'd rather be able to just go, oh man, that's going to be so amazing to have two tight ends of that caliber. But it, I, it, it definitely makes me a little nervous. But at the same time, when you have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, you, your level of nervous is way different than where. It used to be when I first started writing for Arrowhead <laughs> Addict, and it was like, you know, will Matt Castle throw the ball to the guy in the right jersey? You know, there, there was different <laughs> levels of problems in those days. Uh, you know, I got a I got a jersey from China from from Matt Castle. Um, <laughs> I was just talking with my wife about that the other day, um, and I was just like. I was like, man, that was a pretty good jersey. They did a good job with that. You know, it was like the the pro stitching and all that stuff, but it was like a dress. For some reason, it came down <laughs> to my knees, and I had to take it. I had to take it in and get it altered. But it was like I paid like forty bucks for it. You know what I mean? So even with the alteration, it was still way cheaper than than those. And then I was just thinking back, and I was like, man, like why didn't I get like a Derek Thomas jersey? Like what the hell was I thinking? But like you know, 
that's how far we've come. We are in we were in this quarterback desert and we were like, Matt Castle went 11 and 5 with the Patriots like he's that we finally did it and then we and we got you know and they threw in Mike Vrabel, Mr. Intangibles and uh cuz that's all he had left at that point. You know, it was just it's we've come so far. It's just like I don't ever want to go back and I know probably one day we'll have to, but I'm just hoping that Mahomes can play long enough until his son comes on and gets drafted by the chiefs. And then, you know what I mean? And then that's it. Like it's, you know, and then I can die with a Mahomes being a quarterback for the chiefs for the rest of my life. I don't, Oh God. Like I just see what these other teams are going through. They just, they don't have a quarterback, you know, and they're just like, Oh, like the Colts mother of God. Like it's just every year they're just bringing in some over the hill bump to be their quarterback. And it's just, it's like the Carl Peterson days. Um, I never want to go back. Never go back. No. Yeah. No, um, as long as these sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just no, gonna I'm say just gonna, it was gonna ramble. I was just gonna say, as long as this Mahomes era lasts and we're competing for Super Bowls, I will never take it for granted. Like we can become the most hated team, we can be the new Patriots, and at no point will I take it for granted because man, there was just a lot of suffering for a lot of time and a lot of heartbreak. So this is the golden age right now. Yeah, we're sitting here wringing our hands. We just won the Super Bowl second Super Bowl in, in five years. And we're like, ah, in the trenches. It's great. It's so fantastic to, to be in this position. Um, so Lyle, obviously the, the theme of this episode is draft crushes. And we want to know from you out there that are watching live on YouTube, put in the chat, who are your draft crushes? Um, but Lyle, what are, who are some players that, that, that you have your heart set on the chief selecting? Um, well, it's tough. What the guy who is being mocked right now in the area of pick 31 that I love that I know I'm destined to never get my wish because he doesn't fit the spags mold. I love Will McDonald, the uh, edge out of Iowa state. And, and for me, and again, I know I'm, I'm never going to get this because he's just too skinny for spags. But to me, when I look at the chiefs roster right now, they've got a bunch bunch of uh power edges a bunch of guys who are like well you can set the edge against the run and you can kick inside on passing downs and it's like that's great but everybody can't kick inside on passing downs right like eventually you have to have some guys that can win on the outside um and if you put on will mcdonald i think other than will anderson i think he's the best pure pass rusher off the edge in this draft. Now he's old. He's going to be 24 by the time the season starts. And he's like 238 pounds. He has good length. He has length that Spags would like, but he corners so well. And he's got such great closing speed that my dream would be Spags goes, you know what? It would be nice to just have one pure pass rusher to send in on third down that just pins his ears back and goes. And then the rest of the time I can use the big guys and shuffle them around. But I know I, that's probably not going to happen. But if you just, if you just ask me and people go, well, but he's too old. And I'm like, well, yes, but if he was 21, he would go top 15 and we wouldn't have a chance to get him anyway. So yeah, I think you've got to, you know, make some concessions when you're at 31. And I just think he would be the biggest difference maker from a pass rush perspective that they could add. I like the um, K-State guy, too. He would probably be my second choice. I'm going to butcher his name, but the Felix and do Ike Uzama. I'm, I butchered that, I'm sure, but all the K-State fans hate me now. But um, I like his tape. He's a, he's maybe a little light for Spags. I think he's in the mid to upper 250s. 
Um, but he plays, he's a little more stocky guy and can, and can set the edge better than Will McDonald could. So if, if Spags won't give me my dream of Will McDonald, then he would probably be my second choice as far as a pass rusher. Um, I am probably, and, and I'm going to probably make some more people mad. Um, I'm not loving the wide receiver options at the end of the first round. I mean, if one of the top guys were to fall, but the guys that are projected at the end of the first round are the little guys. And I just, I don't know if they make me happy for the first round pick. I think you can kind of get a smaller fast guy in the second round. So I'm not loving my options. My, my, my draft crushes for receivers are honestly more the second round, bigger guys, the guys like Mingo that Seth mentioned. I really like Xavier Hutchinson also from Iowa state. Apparently I'm an Iowa state fan this year. Um, (laughs) Cedric Tillman, Rasheed Rice, A.T. Perry, some of those bigger guys um, that you could maybe get in the second or third round. To me, I like those options and the value there better than I like the value of taking some of the, the you know, like five, nine guys at the back of the first round. Um, so I don't know. And then I, I like if if one of the if one of the tackles were to slide, I would be thrilled with going tackle at the at 31 too, whether like an Anton Harrison. Um, it doesn't sound like um, Darnell Wright is probably going to last that long. His stock is kind of shot up, but if he did, I think you could plug him in day one, right tackle starter. And I kind of like Dewan Jones too. I think some people are worried he's too big and worry about weight and not, but man, that guy looks like a guy that you could plug in at right tackle from day one of training camp and he'd be your starter for the entire length of his rookie contract. So those are, those are kind of where I'm at right now, at least with the first round. So I don't know if any of that grabs you or where you're at on some of that stuff. Well, the thing that really jumped out at me is you called a 24 year old old. And I don't know if you were listening to the beginning (laughs) of the podcast, but I'm turning 40 uh, next month after, after, uh, just mercifully teasing my wife, who is a couple years older than me, uh, the entire time she's been in her 40s and I've still been in my 30s. Um, and we, we, I, I mentioned we scheduled a vacation and she said to me this week, um, hey, I said, hey, we're going, we're going to Cancun in like, in like uh, 30 days. And she was like, oh, yeah. And then do you know what's in 34 days? And I was just like, that's really rude. <laughs> um, which will be my birthday while we're at Cancun. Um, you mentioned the receivers and, and liking some of the bigger guys. And do, do you think guys like Quentin Johnson and, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, who uh, me being an Ohio State guy, he's, he's my, one of my draft crushes. Do you think they're long gone by the time the Chiefs pick? Or, you know, if there's, I'm sure there'll be a run on receivers at some point. Or, or if they get far enough down, are they worth trading up for a little bit? So I really, I, I would be excited about either of those guys. And I, I'm, I'm in on Jordan Addison too. I think he would be the third first round. The, those three would be the three guys that I feel like are worth taking in the first round. Um, do I think they're going to make it to KC or within striking distance where you could do a, a trade up that wouldn't be like really, really costly. I I'm kind of skeptical um, Addison's stock seems to be down, so maybe him. But again, because the Chiefs had have several places that I think they need to address, like I I don't like the idea at all of like having to give up our second round pick to move up to take a receiver because now it's like okay, so now you're not getting an edge or a tackle or anything like that until the third round. So now you're talking about a project guy 
that's not a guarantee maybe even to help this year. So, so if a, if a wide receiver that they just loved fell, I mean, like, like the uh, JSN from Ohio state, like, would I be fine with moving up into the twenties to grab him? I would. Um, Cause I think he's going to be fantastic, mm-hmm. but but again, I don't want them to have to pay too much just because I feel like they need to, they've got, they need to use those first two or three picks wisely just to make sure they don't have glaring holes, you know, coming out of the draft and then have to get in a, a bidding war for some guy that's not even that good, but he's the best guy left at the position in free agency. And then you end up overspending, which Veach doesn't like to do. So, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's not a great draft, in my opinion, for the Chiefs to be where they're at right now with wide receiver. I mean, mm-hmm. again, I, I think you can get some good pieces in the second or third round that could be helpful, be part of a rotation and contribute some as a rookie, even though Andy doesn't like rookie wide receivers a lot. But I, there's been some years where you could get a borderline, you know, true number one potential in the back end of the first round. I just don't know if I see that this year. Uh, hey, Lyle, by the way, the, the one name we've kind of kept out of this conversation is Zay Flowers. Um, I mean, do you have a thoughts on him one way or the other? Or was he part of the ones you were talking about where you're like, yeah, if he's if he's if he's what's available, I'd rather wait. So would I hate Zay Flowers at 31? No, because I think he's he's so much fun. I mean, if you put on his tape, he's a lot of fun. But and, and some people will disagree with me here and, and people that I think are smarter than I am have him going, you know, earlier than we pick. When I watch his tape, he looks kind of more like a little bit of a special weapon receiver as opposed to like a guy that would be a true number one in the NFL. And I just don't know. I feel like with Kadarius Tony on the roster, is that the best value for that pick? And I, I think, I think, um, Flowers is better as a deep threat than Tony is, I think. But I still think Flowers is a guy whose most special trait is his change of direction, which is which is what Tony's biggest strength is, too. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't hate the pick, but is he a guy that I would give up assets to trade up for? I wouldn't. I He's not a guy that I would go, let's trade up to the early 20s and grab Zay Flowers. Some people would be thrilled. And again, his tape is a lot of fun. But if I'm going to draft a small guy that's maybe playing in the slot and who I need to kind of scheme some space for him to operate, man, I'll take that guy in the second or third round, even if he's not quite as good as Flowers, and maybe maybe address a place in the trenches or a pass rusher in the first round where I feel like maybe the drop off isn't quite as severe. So that's my outlook. He is a fun player, but again, he's maybe not at the top of my go out and grab list. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So we kind of addressed this um, when you talked about what would happen if the chiefs moved up, but obviously people love trades and the Chiefs have not been afraid to make aggressive moves and trades during the draft under Brett Beach. Do you think there's anyone they should trade up for if 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 they were actually going to do it? Or is is trading back an option to you if some team is just really, you know, really excited about getting that last pick in the first round for the fifth year option? Would you uh, or is that more valuable to the Chiefs? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it depends a lot on how the board is falling. I, it, to me, if there if there is a guy that falls that is 
that they feel like is like, whoa, this is one of this guy's like a top 15 talent. And he's now sitting there in the in the mid or low 20 or early 20s. Like, let's go get this guy because he's special, whether that's a pass rusher or an offensive tackle or a wide receiver. I, I wouldn't hate trading up if, if it's the kind of thing where it's like you the the caliber of player you're getting is so much greater than if you wait at 31. I'm OK with that. Now, if if the board falls kind of like I think it is, and there may not be really any special players left at 31, I'd be fine with a trade back. Like if they if they move back 10 spots, uh, if the if things fall kind of and there's always some surprises, like I think they might. I think the caliber of player that you'd get pick 10 in the second round and at pick 31 is probably not going to be much different. So if you pick up an extra third fifth rounder or something like that, that somebody gives you to move back 10 spots. I, I would have no problem with that whatsoever. It's, it's, it's weird to think about. I, I feel like the chances are long just because, can you imagine like the draft it's in Kansas city? Not only is it in Kansas city, but the chiefs won the super bowl. And as such, they have the last pick in the first round, the first night. You got all these Chiefs fans there <laughs> waiting to celebrate not only the fact that they won the Super Bowl, but to see who their first round pick is going to be. And Goodell comes up there and is like, the Chiefs have traded with whoever. It might be the loudest booze heard in Kansas City since Brody Croyle played quarterback for that team. Oh, man. Somewhere, well, it'd be drunken riots. Yeah, well, or <laughs> or... I mean, we've seen Veach twice trade first rounders to fill a glaring hole with Frank Clark and Orlando Brown. So how like, you know, he Goodell steps up to the mic and go and we're expecting, all right, who's the Chiefs pick? And he goes, we've had we've got a trade. The the San Francisco 49ers are now on the clock and it turns out the Chiefs traded their first round pick for like Brandon Ayuk or something like that. And we don't even, we aren't even going to make a pick <laughs> when the draft's in our hometown or something, which I wouldn't hate, you know, that move, but it, it would still seem so anticlimactic with, with the Kansas. Cause you know, Kansas City's going to sh- like the crowd there for the draft is just going to be insane. I can't even, I can't even imagine the, the 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 reaction if they didn't make a pick if you had that that place oh, packed with a giant sea of bread <laughs> so I'm I'm guessing Brett Veach is going to feel a little pressure to make a first round pick um, so we'll but we'll see who knows hey, Lyle let's at, let me ask you this is there a player that you are especially in the first round but maybe second round um, where you would say I am praying to the gods of every faith I can find creating a voodoo doll, putting a curse on whatever I have to do to keep the chiefs from drafting this guy, please. Oh, please do not draft. Like, is there some, is there someone that has been linked to them in some way that you're um, like, please, no, please. Well, Junior Siavi. <laughs> I would I would not want to go running back again in the first round, but that's more just a principal thing than necessarily the first round running backs. Um, I'm not I'm not big on uh, uh, Keon White, the defensive end out of Georgia Tech, Tech that yeah. you see. Uh, to me, he and you've seen I've seen him like mocked in the first round some, and to me, he kind of looks like. Tano Passigno on steroids, which, you know, he was a good player and he filled a role, but 
man, he's really stiff. He's powerful. And again, they're going to go, he can kick inside on passing downs. And I'm going to go, okay, but who's playing on the outside on passing downs kind of thing. So I would not, I would not love uh, any sort of slow power edge at 31. If you're taking an edge, man, give me somebody that can play actually at defensive end on passing downs and get some pressure on the quarterback. Um, because otherwise, especially with, and I don't even know if we want to open this bag of worms, but the, the quote from Clark Hunt from the owners meetings about how maybe in three or four months, they'll be ready to think about a Chris Jones extension. I'm like, man, if they're not going to extend Jones and he's ends up, you know, going the way of Orlando Brown and you have no outside pass rush juice when that day comes, it's just like, what are we doing? We need we need some guys that can get some pressure on the quarterback. So don't give me any slow edges at 31. You can get those guys in like the fourth round. You can get a 275-pound edge that's not a great pass rusher <laughs> all throughout the draft. You don't need to spend a first or even a second round pick, in my opinion, on that guy. You know, we did, haven't talked about this position much, but, you know, you you talked, Lyle, about how Brett Veach has been managing contracts and how he's trying not to get the Chiefs on the hook for too many big contracts for too long. Legereus needs coming to the end of the line here with his contract. Do, do you see a situation? The Chiefs now have invested heavily in cornerbacks in the last draft, but like, could they go corner at the end of the first round and throw everybody a curveball and say, cause he's often, you know, it often feels like Veach is drafting for not necessarily next year, but like he's looking down the line at where the money's going to move around and any interest in Keely Ringo out of Georgia. And could we find a way to get Ringo and Mingo on the team <laughs> at the same time? Um, I would not love that. If they want to take a corner in this draft, I, I'm all for that. But, man, when you seem to get three guys last draft that can give you starting reps, it's hard for me. And Snead is still on the roster. So you got four starting caliber guys right now. Um, it's hard for me to, to to go first round. Now, if there's a guy that slid in the second round and they're like, we just can't pass that up. I'm good with that. But to me, the you've got two guys that can play the outside in Watson and Williams with some good size. Um, and, and then, um, oh, my gosh, I'm blanking on the guy they took in the first round. McDuffie. Thank you. McDuffie, who could kick in and play some of the slot reps that Sneed did. To me, there's no – even if they end up not keeping Sneed, there's no rush there. you got three young guys that could be your top three corners, and you'd be okay – kind of there. So I, I wouldn't go first round on that. There's some good corners that could be available in that range. I mean, if you, if, could you make an argument that the best player on the board at, at 31 could be a corner? You could. Um, so it wouldn't, I wouldn't just like fall out of my chair if he did it. But again, I just, I don't think with this way, the roster looks right now. I don't, I don't know if that makes the most sense to me. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, and, and it's, they're so good at finding corners, undrafted free agents and late, late guys. Like if they can keep that up, why take one, another one in the first round when you've got McDuffie, you know, like now you, that's again, a huge advantage. You need a lot of defensive backs. If they're good, they can be expensive. And so it's another way where the chiefs that they can keep drafting. Well, if they can keep identifying talent, 
in later rounds and finding those values, that's how they're going to stay on top, building this roster around Patrick Mahomes. Lyle, thank you so much for joining us, man. We'll let you, we'll let you get out of here. This is awesome. We love uh, having you on to talk uh, football anytime, but especially draft season. We'll have to get you on after it all goes down to get your reaction. Are you going to be in Kansas city for the event? I don't think so. My, uh, my, I'm a teacher by day and I just, I've been trying to make it figure out how my could make my schedule work to get up there, but I, I don't know if it's going to happen. And honestly, th- this may be a sad thing to admit to. I'm so addicted to following every last draft detail on my phone that the yeah. thought, because when I went to the Super Bowl parade, you couldn't get cell reception for anything because there were so many people crowded there. I'm almost scared to death to go be in the crowd and not be able to get cell service and be sitting there going, what's going on? Who's mm-hmm. taking who? Who's trading with who? I can't, my phone won't update. I can't get on Twitter. So I, I will probably just sit back on my couch and have my laptop and my phone and the draft on the TV and a, and a beer in my hand and, and probably just enjoy it that way. And I, and count on my, my fellow uh, chiefs faithful to represent there live and in person. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. And uh, make sure you check out Lyle's work every Monday on arrowheadaddict.com. Have a, uh, have a fantastic weekend, sir. All right. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. See you, Anytime. Lyle. All right. See you, Lyle. See you. Uh, Lyle Graverson. Long time. Long, long time. What Arrowhead a good dude. Such a good dude. And knows his shit, man. Like he's, yeah, I don't know what, like he just, he's one of these, one of these film nuts, I guess, you know, like he, he knows these guys. He watches them. It's uh, it's really impressive. I'm always impressed by those people and like where where they find the time to really, really dive into that film. He's got the grind. He like assigns homework and then he gives it to himself. <clears throat> right. <laughs> he's maybe he's just got the whole like study hall thing rolling. You know, he's like gives them the assignment there in class and then he's just on his phone <laughs> breaking down film. You know, texting Seth. Did you see this guy? Um, I, I, I absolutely love it. Have you ever been a big film guy? Um, I can, you know, I can dive into it sometimes, but, but also it gets so overwhelming and I, like, I just feel like there are so many smarter people than me who do it and can invest time at a much greater level. And especially having this job, like I have to keep such an eye on like the, the larger editorial picture and yeah. kind of play air traffic control with like whatever other stories are going on and like with our writers and here with the podcast. And, and um, so, yeah, you know, it, it just doesn't really allow for like, you know, plus with family and whatnot, you know, it's just like, yeah. like what Seth said earlier. Like, I think if I was just like, if I like told my wife, like, sorry, I'm researching fourth to seventh round quarterbacks that could back up Patrick Mahomes for the next few days, you know, that, that that wouldn't last too long. Yeah. Yeah. And the guys that do it and the guys and gals that do it for, for a living, I mean, it's, they were doing it all year, you know, they're it's, this is their Super Bowl. Uh, It takes a ton of time and a ton of work. uh, So you really do have to, um, you know, we rely on, on their analysis to help form our own opinions, which is, which is great. If you're looking to bone up on draft stuff, I know I say this every year um, as a fan, because again, you all have jobs, families, stuff like it's hard to sit down and watch all the film, but if you want to find out who you should be looking at with the time that you have, go to NFL.com and look at their prospect tracker 
it's like nfl.com slash combine slash tracker slash participants. And, um, uh, it's just a fantastic resource. Um, there's so much information. Most of it comes from their analyst, Lance Zeraline, and he breaks down like you've got a scouting report there for everybody. It's free. I know some sites charge for that. That's fine. If you've got other analysts you like, but they give people production scores and it can really help you look at some of the players who are going to be available, where they might be available. And you can start looking at the positions in need for the chiefs and then develop your own draft crushes um, and look at their film. And it's a really great way to do it. Uh, they, these people do this great work for you. Um, and NFL.com always has this great, because inevitably they get late in the draft. You know, the chiefs take somebody. I have no clue who they are. I've never heard of them like a yeah. lot of fans. And I can always go to NFL.com and they almost always have, like they often have as, as we get closer to the draft and stuff too, they'll have film on these guys, like right there in their profile that you can watch. And, and it's, it's, it's just a tremendous resource. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there's just so many other great draft resources out there too. And, and, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention even like uh, the KCSN guys, you know, who oh, put yeah. out like, yeah. like the chiefs draft guide, you know, like Kent Swanson and, and Craig Stout and all those guys do, such a great job, Seth, uh, doing that. Lyle doing things, and 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 others of our own guys. Um, we've we've got a few grinders even on our own staff who really love to look at film. I, there's no shortage of great. This is the best time to be a Chiefs fan right now. Not not only because the team is so good, but there are so many great voices out there offering yeah. their take on things, and it's a lot of fun. Everyone's so friendly while they do it that it just feels like one big family. Yeah, it sure is. And shout out to, speaking of family, shout out to all of our members. I know there's a bunch of you watching right now that will be listening later that are supporting us, that hang out with us in the Discord, talking film, talking beer, talking football, of course. Um, shout out to uh, Benjamin Andrew. He says, thank you for keeping my football heart beating throughout the off season. That's right, man. Three shows a week. We don't go, we'll be doing it in July. Uh, I don't know what we'll be talking about, but we'll be doing the show. Um Football brings us all a lot of uh, it brings us all a lot of joy. The Chiefs bring us all a lot of joy, and yeah, some of the casuals check out this time of year, and that's fine. Y'all that are still listening, you're hardcore. You're with us through the draft, through the summer, and it's uh, it's awesome. Um, so shout out to you. Shout out to our co-host Adam Best, who's been commenting with y'all in the chat as well, and of course uh, some of our guys, our guy Angry Drunken German, with with top shelf commentary throughout the course of the show as Love always. Yeah, hilarious. Rock rock Chalk Chief, um, you guys are great. We appreciate you. Keeping the chat moving, hitting that like button, um, and supporting the Arrowhead Addict podcast. I think that's it. I think about esteem. Is it, Seth has got snow up there, and I've got to put down a I gotta put down a pre-emergent in my in my lawn. Um, <laughs> but before we do that, uh, you know the weeds, man, they're popping up. I I didn't think I'd be a lawn guy, but here I am. Um we have something really special for you all. As we mentioned at the top of the podcast, our co-host Sterling Holmes, his new nickname, he doesn't know it yet, is Goose. Goose. And uh, let's have a look. The Photoshop is ready from our guy, producer Richard. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> That's good. It's not in the Hawaiian shirt, but the angle's right. I mean, if you just like, obviously not, not the actor, right? But like, <laughs> If you just like you were like walking by, like there was like a billboard, like a billboard or a poster on a wall, and you like glanced at this, would you notice it? Would you notice that something was off? 
No, no, it, it is him. I mean, having hung out with him, he is goose anyway. It just, it, he has that aura. It It's perfect. It's perfect. Great job. Rich, Richard, by the way, for the underrated MVP vote here. Like uh, yeah. that's, yeah. I mean, he's amazing. It, the ones, the ones, the hardcore ones is, is, uh, as James T. Kirk points out, casual is not allowed. The uh, the hardcore ones out there. What's up, Evan? By the way, uh, they know they know Richard's the one that is the only reason this podcast actually works. Yeah, um, yeah. We were all it, it was a shit show right before the show. We were all stumbling around trying to make sure we had links to our guests and and all that. So thank God for Richard. Yeah. Um, Richard couldn't find a good photo with his shirt. Yeah, it's dark in that scene. Richard, he's in the bar. He's playing Great Balls of Fire, but. Man, when I'm in Kansas City for the draft, I need to find a piano bar and take Sterling and make him sing "Great Balls" or karaoke. That could That's, be the live. That go. could be the live stream that we do for our members. The special event we there need to go. have one. Me and Sterling karaoke Thursday night after the draft. Man, hey, by the way, you're making these plans for Kansas City, yeah. Uh, and you said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat so much barbecue." But I remember when the draft was in Nashville a few years ago and they had like, I think, like, I think they counted like a half million people visited over the course of the weekend and just like took over the town and the entire Nashville, like walkable downtown with all the, the, you know, the honky tonk bars and the whatever. And I just thought, oh my gosh, if that's true, every line in every place that you're supposed to go like enjoy yourself at is going to be over. I'm, I'm just saying ahead of time, you may want to try to make your barbecue plans well, uh, yeah. or like go eat lunch at like three fifteen or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to get those reservations. I'm going to go early. Cause obviously the draft is happening in the evening and I maybe try some places that I haven't got. Like I've never been to LC's. Like there's a bunch of places I still need to get to. There's no shortage of them. So it, it may be deep cut season. You know, Deep I might cuts. be looking for those those late late you know late draft hidden gems in the whole Kansas City barbecue <laughs> draft. Maybe we should. That's maybe we should just do a whole show where we have a barbecue draft. We need barbecue we get, like, draft. Can we find thirty two Chiefs analysts? I think we can do that. Uh, better yet, do we have the budget to make sure we're all provided barbecue to to taste test? Yeah. That's a fantastic. Like, but like the first ever Kansas City media barbecue draft. And we'll just, you know, we'll get the Arrowhead out of Korean here. And we'll just rotate people mm-hmm. through Seth. We can bring Lyle on, some of the Arrowhead Pride guys. Like, let's just go all in. All in. And, uh, and put, together a, put together a barbecue draft. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to get so hungry. I'm so hungry. All right. Um, guys, thank you so much for watching the Thursday edition of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I do not know who my co-host will be next week, but we'll, uh, we'll let you know. But the week after that, on the 20th, so the week, Week week before the draft, Matt Verderam returns to the Arrowhead Attic podcast. Will be uh, nice. will be joining me as a guest and uh, co-hosting the show. The uh, home his second homecoming. Second um, homecoming. Yeah, I was trying to figure out the best time to get him back, and thought, hey, it's just when we're right around the corner from the draft, uh, Verderam will be in the house to rant and rave about. Can't wait to hear his th- his take on Tyree Kill. <laughs> yeah, you know what he's gonna, you know what he would say. I I, I guarantee you. Do your impersonation. Do it. Yeah, I'd say, what do you think about Tyreek Hill talking all this trash? And be like, you know, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care. Who cares? 
Who cares? He's in Miami. Who cares? (laughs) It's just going to be like, it'd be like old times. I do all my work on my outline. I think it's a question we could talk about for 15 minutes. If our Rams like, who cares? You know, he's gone. I look, I just, I just can't get into it. I don't care. Um, yeah. Sounded like Verderham was on the show. There we go. Um, I love it. I mean, I've worked with the guy for, for, for quite a while. So, uh, all right, you guys are the best. Um, we're going to get out of here. Thank you so much to Seth Kaiser, to Lyle Graverson, to producer Richard, to you, Matt Connor, for doing double duty this week and co-hosting with me. I really appreciate it. Good talking chiefs with you. We'll be back next week on Tuesday with Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. Um, And, of course, I'll be back on Thursday. But until then, as always, go Chiefs. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.